So as part of my family legacy, I also went to Emmaus Bible College for three years. And lo and behold, I'm here in front of you. And I want to thank you for the love that you have. I want to thank you for the invitation for me to be up here, first of all, and for the love that each one of you have, not only for God, but also for this community. Because you have been instrumental in bringing people to Christ and encouraging people to continue to come to Christ. And you were loving and you showed God love, God's love to my aunt Pauline. And you continue to show it and share with uh, my uncle David Thompson. I'm going to ask you a question, but I don't want you to answer me. I only want you to answer it in your head. So please don't raise your hand. Don't shout it out. Because it's personal. The question is, you have to rate yourself from zero to ten. Zero meaning the worst or the least motivated that you've ever been in your life to 10, the most motivated that you've ever been in your life. And the question is, how motivated are you in your spiritual life? Answer it in your head. How motivated are you in your spiritual life? Keep that number in your head. We'll come back to that in a little while. By the end of this message, I want you to be excited. I want you to be motivated. I want you to have a closer relationship with God. I invite you to look up 2 Timothy chapter 1. And while some of you look it up in your Bibles or apps, I want to share with you a couple paragraphs of an article that I read. Uh, the newsletter of October 2022. The title of the, of the newsletter is The Voice, and it's written by Carl Redeman. He's the executive director at Bible Broadcasting Network, or BBN, in Matthews, North Carolina. And he read, and he wrote, excuse me, fear is something that everyone faces. I remember the story of a passenger in a taxi who leaned over to ask the driver a question and gently tapped him on the shoulder to get his attention. The driver uh, screamed, lost control of the cab, nearly hit a bus, drove up over the curb and stopped just inches from a large plate glass window. For a few moments, everything was silent in the cab. Then the shaking driver asked the, his passenger, are you okay? I'm sorry, but you scared the daylight out of me. The badly shaking passenger apologized to the driver and said, I didn't realize that a mere tap on her shoulder would startle someone so badly. The driver replied, no, no, I'm the one who is sorry. 
it's entirely my fault. Today is my first, today is my very first day driving a cab. I've been a drive, I've been a, I've been driving a hearse for 25 years. Let's turn to 2 Timothy chapter 1. And they're going to be placed on the, on the screens. Verse 7. And I'm reading from the Good News translation. For the spirit that God has given us does not make us timid or coward like some versions say. His spirit, that is God's spirit, fills us with power. God's spirit lives fills us with love. God's spirit fills us with self-control. The title of my message today is, Are We Good Enough? COVID. We have it up to here. We can't handle it anymore. And COVID has opened up a flood of challenges worldwide, from the virus attacking the countries to attacking our states, our cities, our neighborhoods, our families, our bodies. And they've attacked us in many different ways. One way is isolation. We've had to isolate. Socially, we have had to isolate. And one of the consequences of social isolation is, well, there's many actually, depression. And we battle with this depression and anxiety and frustration and loneliness, just to name a few. And in any of these states of mind, we find ourselves taking grasp of whatever we can we start talking to ourselves. And most of the time, the talk tends to be in a hyper-negative way, super self-criticizing, extremely condescending, and downright condemning. We tend to emphasize all the negatives of ourselves as if we search and deserve such punishment and with honors. To the point that some, some of us tend to interpret summa cum laude as I summed up all my shortcomings louder. Do we strut with honor, having achieved the highest academic distinctions? Absolutely not. We doubt ourselves even more, and we have a tendency to be angry and bitter towards not only ourselves, but towards other people as well. This is down. It's a downward spiral, and it seems to never end. We heard today many times in the songs that we sang, and thank you, Jeannie, for the song, that we constantly are striving and trying to be better people. But in the meantime, we compare ourselves with others, and we say to ourselves, there is no one such and such, to fill in the blank, like me. Someone who is, 
having problems with their appearance, with the characteristics of themselves, and we constantly put ourselves down. This, my brothers and sisters, is one of the tactics that the devil uses against us. We don't have time today to go through that process, but I would love someday to explain that in so in some detail of how the devil comes to us and how he tends to defeat us and separate us from God. But in the meantime, it's easy to feel we are the only ones who fail to overcome sin. We read about the Bible giants in Hebrews 11, and we fall short, and we think our sinful way will never read, will never achieve what these people did. And we compare ourselves to them. And we fall short of what God is wanting and asking us to do. We can never measure up to these people because they're so high, so lofty, so spiritual, so safe, so fill in the blank. And we think ourselves lower and lower and lower and lower. And yet God gave us the spirit of power, of love, and of self-control. So why mention these people in Hebrews 11? This is because God sees what we will become, not necessarily what we are. In fact, a lot of people we read about the Bible messed up. Let me share with you a few of these people. Noah got drunk. You can read about that in Genesis 9. Ultimately, we can't say for sure exactly why Noah became drunk. Scripture often leaves us, uh, leaves out the, some of the details because ultimately this is irrelevant to our walk with God, to our relationship with God. The exact sequence of events leading to Noah's stumble isn't given in Scripture. What we do see is enough for us to understand that the history of Noah's son, sons to be warned about the power of what we put into our bodies. The flip side of, of Noah, oh, excuse me, yes, the flip side of Noah is by faith he built a boat. By faith he obeyed God who warned him about things that had never happened before. And here's this God saying, you build this boat or ark. And you can find that information in Hebrews 11, how by righteous, how righteous he was in the eyes of God. Abraham lied about his wife, not once, but twice. By the way, I'm banking on most of you to know these stories. And if not, I'm hoping that at the end, the reference will have that information for you. Isaac, Abraham's son, also lied about his wife. Sarah laughed at God for telling her that she was going to conceive at age 99. We know that after, well, now it's beyond 36. But before it was 36, and you had to have your children before 35 years old. 
Now we have women who are having children after, even in their 40s. Noah received the righteousness, excuse me, Abraham. We're talking about Abraham. Abraham was the father of faith of the Jewish people. And we find that in Hebrews 11. He obeyed unquestionably the commands of God. King David. You can read about him in 2 Samuel chapters 11 and 12. Even though he never... Well, let me put it in a different way. Even though he knew what he was doing was wrong, he did it. David committed adultery with Bathsheba, the wife of one of his soldiers, and then arranged for her husband to be killed in battle. As a result of this action... King David faced many years of turmoil in his life. The flip side, 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel, if you look into that, David was exceptional in God's eyes because he had a shepherd's heart and passion. He was chosen to be king of the entire world of Israel. And as a matter of fact, he has been considered one of the best or the best king in the entire life, in the entire history of Israel. And every king after David, every king has been compared to King David. Peter, he was a wicked man in Luke 5. He denied ever knowing Jesus. Not once, but three times. The flip side, Although he was far from perfect, he was always willing to learn from his mistakes and grow closer to God. You can read that in Luke 15. I will make you a fisherman. Upon this rock, I will build my church. You can find that in Matthew chapter 16. Paul used to be called Saul of Tarsus. In Acts chapter 8 and 9, he imprisoned and killed Jews. Obviously, anti-Semitic behavior. Until he was stopped from killing people. You can read about the powerful way he was stopped. The flip side. In Philippians 3, it says that he was from the tribe of Benjamin. He was a missionary. He's a theologian. He wrote over around 13 epistles, which is around a quarter of the books in the New Testament. That's powerful. From someone who was killing Christians. Paul reminds us that God can use anyone, no matter their background or current circumstance. Paul was once a ruthless persecutor of Christians, but God transformed him into one of the most effective evangelistic people of the gospel. This teaches us that no one is beyond God's reach and that he can use anyone to further his kingdom's purpose. That means you and me. Paul shows us that our past does not have to define our future. Whatever has happened in the past, that was our old self. If we confess, if we repent of our sins, 
God is just and he will forgive us. And we're born anew. And we can change our ways from what they were before. Paul also teaches us the importance of faithfulness. Despite facing many challenges and difficulties throughout his ministry, Paul never gave up or turned away from God. He remained faithful to the end. And his faithfulness was used by God to change lives and advance his gospel. I'm not going to be too much longer, but because I know that our tootsies are freezing, or at least colder than usual. But allow me to say this in different ways. I may be sounding like I'm repeating myself, but I'm doing this on purpose, because not all of us think the same. So if one of these phrases catches your eye, hold on to that. By the way, these, the list that I just wrote, uh, read, are just a few characters of Hebrews 11 and a few less characters of the entire Bible in which we have the testimony of these people who failed in their ministry. The Bible is full of stories about people who failed to overcome their own sin even after they had experienced God's love and forgiveness, from Adam and Eve to Abraham to Peter and Paul to you and me. There are many examples of people who fell short in their attempts to live a holy life. But let me give you some hope. Romans 3.10 There is no one righteous Not even one. So how is it that they put this huge standard in front of us and we have to reach that standard which seems unattainable? Are we reaching a perfect or striving for a perfect goal? Not really. We're striving to be our best with the help of Jesus Christ. We are to give our life, we are, give, we are to give ourselves to the source of the power of the universe. Each of these individuals made poor choices that led them away from God. However, they also repented of their sins and regained favor in God's eyes. As we read these stories, we can learn from their mistakes and avoid falling in the same pitfalls. These stories remind us that even the strongest people can succumb to temptation if they're not careful. They also serve as a warning that disobedience has consequences. Some of you are doing that with your children now. You're teaching them that process. These stories also teach us that God all is always willing to forgive us when we repent and we turn from our sin. No matter how many times we fail, He is always there for us, ready to help us start again. 1 John 1 9. 
You can find that information there. So be encouraged, even if you feel like you have failed in your efforts to overcome your own personal sin. Remember that God is always with you. He will never give up on you. Remember Joshua 1, 9? Have I commanded you? Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. Don't lose heart, in other words. Don't be discouraged. For the Lord, your God, is with you wherever you go. We learn from David that God is always willing to give us and forgive us, to, to give us pardon and forgive us from our sin. Through his forgiveness, David was restored in God's eyes. This shows us that no matter how far we have wandered, God is always ready to forgive us and welcome us back into his loving arms. Although each one of these characters failed, they ultimately found forgiveness and redemptions through their repentance. Not because just was not just because God was good in wanting to forgive them. They made that choice. As we can see, even the great men and women of the Bible were not perfect. What matters is not that we fail, but that we strive to follow God's will despite our imperfections. There's no one person who is perfect. So in our imperfection, we come to Christ. There is no way to get around failure. Just like the stories of these biblical figures, at some point in time in your life, you and I will fail God. We may fail to share the gospel with someone, missing the opportunity to evangelize. We may have lost, or we may have lost our temper coming to church or going to church, going to work. And it derails us from our goal for that day. We can let failure overcome us or use these failures as a powerful source to transform our lives. The choice is yours. Some people just keep on doing the same thing over and over and over. They make the same mistakes, fall into the same cycle of sin, struggle with, their, with the same addiction, and it goes on and on and on. On the other hand, if you make a mistake or do something wrong, but own it and learn from it, that is a well-learned lesson. Now, we all fail in life. We all have lapses. We all get tempted. We all face trials. We're not alone in this struggle in life. Like many of us, all of these biblical characters had their ups and downs and their highs and lows. You're not a murderer. But Moses was. And God used him to change the world. 
The truth is that God loves broken people. He died for broken people. He died for you and me. First Corinthians one twenty-seven. you'll find that information. We see our flaws, we see our shortcomings, but God sees something totally different. He sees who we will be one day. Like Jeannie said, Amen. someday we will be in his presence. That's what he's seeing. That is what he's looking forward to. That's what we are looking forward to. We see a broken life, but he sees a life put back together and used for his glory. Matthew eleven, twenty-eight and 30. And I'm reading from the easy English translation. And it says, Come to me, all you who are tired. You are like people who have worked for a long time. You are like people who have carried heavy things. Come to me. If you do that, you will find a place to rest. Do what I teach you to do. What? God is willing to teach us? Yes. Listen to my message and learn from me what is true. I am very kind and I do not make myself important. I will help you. God is willing to help you. Then, the verse continues, you will have peace in your mind. I will not tell you to do things that are too difficult for you. I will not tell you to carry anything that is too heavy for you. Two questions. Are we good enough? Or you can personalize it. Am I good enough? Yes, we are. Yes, we are. Because God gave us a spirit of power, of love, and of self-control. My last question. From zero to ten. Zero being the worst that you've ever experienced this motivation in your life. To ten being the most motivated that you've ever been in your life. How motivated are you in your spiritual life now? Did it change? Did it even move a decimal to the right? A centesimal even? That's great. Why? Because if it did change, consider... Just consider the possibility that this is God, not me. This is God tapping at your heart. Unlike the taxi driver at the beginning of this message, God is a God of love, of compassion, of care, and of understanding. God is tapping on your heart right now. He wants a deeper relationship with you. 
Will you answer him? Will you attend to that tap on your heart? Don't delay. He's waiting for your response. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we are in awe of who you are. Our minds not, cannot comprehend even the minute, the smallest part of who you are. Lord Jesus, we acknowledge you have this yearning, this desire, this willingness to have a closer relationship with us. You even died for us. Thank you. And we all thank you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for resurrecting from the dead. Help us to turn from our sinful ways and face the heavenly light that only you can emit from your presence. We look forward to witnessing the awesome way you will be communicating with us throughout this coming week. Help us to look to you for strength. Continue to instill in us a stronger desire to seek your face in private until the day you call us home to glory. Amen. We give you thanks and we ask you these things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen.